0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Liberty on Fire podcast. This is Libertarian Tony and I've got an interesting topic for today's quick hits in the news. So I wanna talk about rent control and before you switch off the podcast or or delete it or go on to another podcast, uh, let me tell you why this is important. Of course, it's back in the news again in several states And it is important because it keeps coming up. It's a horrible idea that just won't go away. And when politicians refuse to understand basic supply and demand economics, you get these really crappy policies like rent control. Anyway, so... Yes, I think it's important for people to have a basic understanding of economics so that they can keep their politicians in check as best they can when they try to do stupid things. So let's talk about California. You got this uh, proposed law, which is being reconsidered right now. And today is May, was it May 29th, uh, 2019. It's called SB 529. And this law is supposed to you know, supposedly give tenants a right to withhold paying the rent if they have a grievance with the landlord. So, this grievance can include a rental increase above the rate of inflation. So, basically, this law would provide uh, tenants a way to uh, skip paying their rent if they think that their rent has been raised too much. Uh, basically statewide rent control, it would basically set the rent at the rate of inflation so that the rent every year would go up at the rate of inflation, but not more because then that would be considered something that the tenants could fight you on and potentially skip paying the rent for a certain period of time uh, to exercise that grievance. So it would basically guarantee that your rent would go up at the rate of inflation so from year to year, your rent right now may or may not go up, right? In some states, it's going up a lot. And that's a major supply-demand issue that the market needs to solve. But there are probably some times when the rate of your, or the rent doesn't need to go up, but now uh, landlords, uh, people that own rental properties, would just raise it anyway at the rate of inflation, uh, just to, to know that in, in the future, then, they can't possibly raise it above inflation, even if the market calls for it. Anyway, so this, of course, will backfire and cause a huge shortage in the rental supply, uh, thereby you know, putting upward price pressure on the already expensive rental market. And I, I'm going to go into a little more depth on this, but you know, a, as we'll get into in the podcast, rent, rent control basically discourages landlords from owning property. Therefore, they are going to own less properties. And if you have the same number of people looking to rent, then that's going to place an upward pressure on prices. I mean, supply and demand makes sense. It's such a failed policy that many cities that used to have rent control got rid of it. However, some really big and stupid cities ironically still have it, like New York and L.A. and San Francisco. And this dovetails into another stupid law that the state of Oregon passed, and it's basically their version of a statewide rent control. So let me see. This legislation, uh, it prohibits landlords from raising rents in the first year of a resident's tenancy. OK, the bill would also cap future rate, uh, rent hikes at seven percent annually plus inflation. So this legislation basically uh, it bans no cause evictions. And so any landlord must offer a, a government approved excuse for evicting a tenant. And I, I saw this uh, in an article on Mises.org, and I'll put that in the show notes for you to take a look at if you're interested. Perhaps the only silver lining of this Oregon law is that uh, this new law was um, set the rate pretty high, 7% plus inflation. So let's guess that inflation is at 2%, so then you could potentially raise your rent up to 9% per year. And that's pretty high. So I I imagine that this law will not be as effective in kind of curtailing rental rate increases as they have thought. And uh, the politicians, what they have done here, basically guaranteed that the rents are going to go up by about 9% per year, whether they need to or not. Because, you know, landlords, uh, property owners need to take this into account that, let's say, the market says that the rent should go up by 15%. Well, they can't get the 15% down the road, so they might as well just keep raising it by 9% per year if the market will allow them to. And this law will pretty much guarantee that all landlords are going to be doing this. Anyway, so of course, that's going to keep the supply of rentals low and discourage further building. So now now let's get into kind of more specifics on uh, rent control economics. So, you know, the definition of rent control, it's basically a policy that limits the amount of rent a landlord can charge or the amount a landlord can raise the rent each year. The purpose is to make rent more affordable, particularly those of low incomes. So obviously it's a form of government price fixing. Now, while most politicians seem to be aware of the adverse consequences of price controls and price fixing, these same stupid politicians seem to ignore this knowledge when it comes to rent control. Okay, not sure why. It's probably about getting elected. Anyway, these uh, let's talk about some of these adverse consequences of rent control. So one of the problems with rent control is that it really fails at which it is even supposed to achieve because it reduces the supply of housing. Before rent control, a landlord would have to, you know, build or provide housing if there is an increased, you know, perceived demand for that housing. However, rent control, or after rent control, that landlord is deterred from providing more housing because there's a significant limitations then to the profitability of providing more housing, right? So if you're deterred from making, uh, building more housing, uh, you're also going to be deterred from making improvements on your, uh, on the units as well. And why would you pay good money to fix up a unit if you can't raise the rent to pay yourself back for fixing, fixing up that unit? And so you can't really make those necessary uh, repairs or even kind of beautifying, let's say, an apartment. Uh, there, there's no incentive to do so. That leads to the whole perversion of the market and you get these some uh, so-called uh, slum lords. If the investment return on housing is lower than investing in such things as like stocks or bonds, then landlords would likely invest in these other options instead. There will be less investment in housing, resulting in a shorter supply of housing, and with either stable or increased demand, rents in the area will tend to go up and the supply will stay low. So, this is in fact the opposite purpose of what rent controls were meant to accomplish. So, another adverse consequence is that when rents are high, people tend to economize. They may sublet and share apartments, uh, share housing with other people, and this frees up the remaining housing for other people. However, with rent control, rents are artificially kept low and the rent you pay is isolated from the rest of the market. Therefore, there's no incentive for you to share a room in your house or apartment with other people. So this additionally keeps the supply of housing low. Many families tend to downsize after their kids leave the house. In parts of the country, uh, with long-term rental uh, rental controls in place, you have many renters who have been in the uh, same apartment for years and years, and they keep renewing their same lease over and over again due to these rent controls. So rent controls remove the incentive for them to downsize. They keep the same larger unit that they would otherwise not need uh, just because the prices are kept artificially low. Uh, think about it. Now if you have a rent-controlled three-bedroom apartment in New York City and you're paying let's say $3,000 a month or something because you know rent control is keeping the prices down and the cheapest three-bedroom place you can get anywhere in the neighborhood, not under rent control goes for 8,000 a month, why would you ever leave? You'll just keep renewing that, that lease, wouldn't you? I would. So if that renter left and they got a much smaller place, they could possibly be even paying more in rent for a smaller square footage place. So rent control, basically, it, it helps also shift the problem of high rents from one group of people to another. So the people who were lucky enough to get into rent controlled properties in the past are helped at the expense of everybody else who now has to pay much more rent for a much smaller housing supply. Now does rent control protect those already in housing who have rent controls in place? Kinda, but not as much as you think. The the benefits of artificially low rent are outweighed by the costs to the landlord who are much less likely to keep up with the maintenance on these units because they know they can't raise the rents to keep up with the cost of improvements and maintenance. So faced with the long-term prospect of losing money, landlords have in the past even chosen to completely abandon these properties, performing no maintenance whatsoever and ceasing to provide even basics like heat and electricity. Now when this happens, even tenants are forced to abandon the property. And new property owners don't show up uh, to rehab and fix the units because there are still rental controls in place. So sometimes landlords and builders shift the type of property they will provide. In other words, why build lower income housing, right? Luxury units tend to be excluded from rent controls. And therefore, if a profit can be made only in the, let's say, luxury unit uh, rental industry, then only those properties will be built. Current rental units for, let's say, more middle and low income people are also converted into condos and upgraded to luxury units sometimes to get out of the whole rent control arena and also converted to non-housing uses to escape the burdens of, uh, that rent control imposes. All of this, what it really does is just keeps reducing the rental housing availability, which of course worsens the problem of inadequate housing in the first place. Like all government price-fixing efforts, rent control has the bittersweet irony that it harms precisely the people, the low-income renters, that it was designed to protect in the first place. Historically, there were more people living in Manhattan prior to the rise of rent control and prior to the rise of government housing projects. At one time, the Lower East Side of New York was the most tightly packed place to live in the world. New York and San Francisco have a long history of rent control laws, and yet when you look at the cities with the highest rent in the country, this is precisely where the highest rents are being paid. Now this isn't just theory. After a 1994 rent control expansion in San Francisco, uh, research found that landlords converted rental properties to owner-occupied apartments and condos better suited to higher income families to avoid being subject to the regulation. The supply of new rentable housing fell, increasing underlying market rents by over 5%. Rent control both increased the cost of uh, non-rent controlled properties and accelerated gentrification. Some examples that uh, great economist uh, Thomas Sowell includes uh, in his book I think it was called uh, Economic Facts and Fallacies. And um, here I give you a quote. Uh, If you go back to the beginning of the 20th century, before government intervention became pervasive in housing markets, we find people paying a smaller percentage of their expenditures for housing than at the end of the 20th century. So in 1901, housing costs took 23% of the average American family spending. By 2003, it took 33% of a far larger amount of spending. So another quote from Thomas Sowell, where builders are allowed to construct homes and apartments without severe government restrictions, even growing populations and rising incomes do not cause housing prices to shoot up because the supply of newly constructed housing keeps up with demand for housing. Okay, so unfortunately, government is restricting the amount of housing that can be built. And obviously, if you restrict, restrict the supply while demand is growing, prices will go up. Only politicians really benefit from this sort of arrangement. Many of them have a, a reputation for being for the poor and downtrodden by you know, setting aside small amounts of affordable housing uh, units, usually in token amounts, and they put on a show in the news of preventing the evil landlords from raising rents. And they also try to keep the public paranoid that if you take off the rent controls, it will be, you know, it will be crazy and sky high prices, but higher prices are exactly what is needed to bring the builders in to build more of a supply of housing, right? You, you need to, you need these higher prices. It's funny. I'll get into this quick quote. The, the cure for higher prices is higher prices and the cure for lower prices is lower prices. What that means is that high prices tend to bring in um, more people or more investing because people want to make a profit. And by bringing in more people to build more units, let's say, that's going to end up driving down rental prices, right? Because now you have a lot more supply for presumably the same sort of demand. Anyway, so of course in the end, due to bad government policies, landlords, the builders, and the local businesses, and, of course, the low-income tenants, lose out due to, the, due to this government interference. Well, that will do it for today. Thank you all for listening to the Liberty on Fire podcast. Please do me two favors. Number one is to share the show. Remember that we want to continue to advance the message of individual liberty, and sharing and growing the show is one of the best ways to do that. The second favor is to subscribe Rate and review the show on iTunes. A five-star rating is much appreciated. Also, please check out our website, libertyonfire.org. Thank you very much. And until next time, let's keep those fires of liberty burning bright.